Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve all of the praise. Worthy is his name and mighty are the works of his hand. Jesus. Jesus Mm. is the name this morning, the name that is above every other name. Amen. Amen. From the rising of the sun. To the going down of the same, he is worthy to be praised. There's something. There's just something about the name of Jesus. Let me help somebody. (laughs) The songwriter said, I searched all over. I couldn't find nobody. I searched high, I searched low, and I still couldn't find nobody like the name of Jesus. He is worthy to be praised. Jesus, you are what we desire. That is our heart's cry this morning. Worthy is your name, Jesus. We desire you more than anything else. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of desire. Desire is a powerful thing when you think about it. To be human is to desire. To be human is to desire. Desire is what gets us up in the morning. Nothing great has ever been accomplished without desire. Desire is what keeps us moving even in the face of adversity. Desire asks the question, what do you want? You think about that this morning. Somebody walk up to you this morning just like we're here with you and somebody just came up to you and said, what do you really want? What do you really want for Christmas? That's desire. Not what you think you should say, not the churchy answer, but what do you really want? That's desire. Your deepest desires. Love. Real love. A peace that doesn't come and go. Joy. Hope. Maybe for some of you a second, a third, a fourth chance. What do you really want? It's no wonder that when Jesus walked this earth, he would walk up to people time or another, and you'd go up to people and ask that exact same question. So what is it that you want? Not in a sarcastic way, but in a way that was getting to the heart of things, getting to your heart, our hearts this morning, getting to desire. God's people knew all about desire as well. Before we get to the story tonight in the manger, there's been a story that's been unfolding long before any of us got here. For thousands of years, God's people had waited for a Savior, waited for a Messiah. The prophet Isaiah puts it this way in Isaiah chapter 26. 
Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Because your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. The prophet Isaiah was saying there's something about Jesus. There's something about this Messiah that would satisfy the deepest desires of your heart. What are you going to do with your desire? And then, after that prophecy, 400 years of seemingly silence, as if God was somehow absent or not working, but we know he was working behind the scenes, and this is what we've been learning about in this season of Advent, that every single one of us this morning is looking, is longing, is lacking. What will you do with your desire? The Hebrew and the Greek definition for the word wait is to gather. It's to look for or to tarry with patience and expectation. And so during this Advent season, we've been waiting. It's a time of spiritual preparation and also as we are focused on the commemoration of the, the Son of God, Jesus Christ being born, at the same time we're looking for and we're longing for his second coming. And so this morning we thought we might ask the question, what are you waiting on? What is it that you are looking for? Because looking for something goes beyond waiting for it. When you're looking for something, you are pursuing it. You are hunting it down. You are searching it out high and low. When you're looking for something, the thing that you're looking for and the value that you place on it determines the manner in which you look for it. In Luke 15, there was a woman talked about how she lost a coin in her house, and she swept everything. She, she moved everything to find that coin because of the value she put on the coin. Luke 15 also goes on to talk about a shepherd who had 100 sheep, but one of them went astray. And how this shepherd, because of the value of the one sheep, how he left the 99 and he went to the wilderness. He went and he searched, he looked, he hunt till he found the sheep. And when he found it, he picked it up and carried it back, back home. Maybe you're here and you think, well, you don't have the value that, that you think you should have. Maybe you think you're too far gone and that, that he can't find you. He's been looking. He's there and he's now, he, perhaps today, this morning, he's the one that's carrying you to this place. But the question is, what are you looking for? Look, maybe you're here and this morning, it's an opportunity to go beyond waiting not just a time to say, let's have a moment and an experience with God. No, let's change our lives. Because he's been looking and been waiting, and it's here now. What are you looking for? What are you longing for? To be human is also to know what it means to wait. We're all waiting for something. We don't know every single one of your stories this morning, but he does. What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on that special someone to come into your life? Are you lonely? Are you waiting for a breakthrough financially? What are you waiting on? What have you done with your desire? When you think about it, life is a series of unmet desires. 
Some of you, you walked in here this morning and you would raise your hand. Life has not gone the way I planned it. It's been a series of detours and now I'm waiting. I'm longing for something. What are you longing for? And here's what we do. When we don't get our deepest desires met, often we run away from God and away from the church. Or we can take our deepest desires and run to him. And dare I propose to you this morning that maybe, just maybe, the God who created you, who knows you better than anyone else, might have something to say about meeting the deepest desires of your heart. I'm not talking about coming to a church service for an hour on Sunday morning. I'm talking about him quenching your thirst. I'm talking about him meeting those desires. We're all looking for something. We're all longing for something. We're looking and longing. We want more. We want something different than what we have right now. But what often gets in the way, we still have some lack. There's some things that we're lacking. There's a, a void in our lives. There's a hole that is still there. We might have some chips. We might have a little money. We might have a nice home. We might have what we need. But we're not complete because of the relationship with Jesus is not there. So we're lacking so much. And so this morning, maybe you're here and the outside looks real good. But on the inside, you're lacking the, the joy that maybe you once had. But because of maybe sickness or disease or you lost a loved one and, or life spiraled out of control, and now you're lacking peace. Because of affliction, because of something that has occurred in your life that was out of your control. It's not even your fault. But instead of coming and looking to find your way into an almighty God, you've been looking to, to fill it with other stuff. Fill that void with other things that could only be temporary. And so today we're saying no matter what you've been looking for, no matter what you've been longing, even in the middle of your lack, there is someone here today who can fill every void, who can take care of every need. He's here. Amen. He is. <laughs> He is here. Amen. He's here. He's here. Everybody say, he's here. He's here. Oh, he's here. A Savior has been born to us. This is the reason that we gather. This is the reason that we sing. This is the reason we celebrate. This is the reason we go all out because it's a party fit for a king, the king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, has been born to us this morning. Amen. Merry Christmas. He's here. This is the reason that we go all out, why we have four services so we can make as much room as we can for everybody to hear this good news. By the way, praise God for our worship team this morning. Can we give God praise and thank them? Amazing. So many gifted and talented musicians and artists in our church family, not only musically, but also visually uh, as well. If you look up to the balcony, up to the little nook uh, up there, you'll see Austin from our creative arts team. Everybody give Austin a shout up there this morning. There he is. There are so many different ways we can worship, and Austin's just worshiping with his hands and through his painting up there and painting whatever God lays on his heart. So be sure to keep an eye on that, especially if the sermon gets a little boring for you this morning. You can always watch that. Uh, but there's so many different ways to worship, and so be sure to check that out at the end as well. Everything we need is wrapped up in Jesus. Amen? And I don't want to go any farther, and I don't want you to miss it this morning. The message of Christmas 
The message of Christianity is that there is a God who loves you more than you will ever know. And we want you to get that this morning. One of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but let it fall fresh this morning. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he gave you his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know the what of Christmas. You know the manger scene and all the things. Do you know the why of Christmas? Why he came? Because he loves you with a love that is stronger and more powerful than any other force in the universe. Have you ever wondered what the heart of God is like? Right here in this verse, we see a God that didn't stay at a distance but came to us and walked in your shoes and he felt everything that you will ever feel. He's walked in your shoes. Are you in need of hope this morning? You see it right there. Death is not the end of the story when you know Jesus Christ. There's hope available for you. Not only is there hope, are you looking for real love? Look no further. Of one who came and gave his life for you. As the lyrics of the old Christmas hymn go, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Oh, he's here. Amen? He's here. Everything you need, he's got. And this was the message that the angels gave to the shepherds that first Christmas night. It's right there in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Let's read it nice and loud together. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Everybody say good news. Good news. Say great joy. Great say all people. All For all people. Great joy. When you think of joy as the first thing that comes to your mind, church. I got to get to church because I need some more joy in my life. I got I to experience Jesus because I need some more joy in your life. And maybe that hasn't been your experience with church, but it doesn't change the fact that that's Jesus' offer to you this morning. Let me just ask you a question. If you could have untouchable joy, what would you do to get that? Anything? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's here because he's here. That joy is available to you this morning that's deeper than your circumstances. And how do you get that joy? You experience the good news. What is that good news that a Savior has come? Folks, we live in a broken, messed up, sinful, dark world. But I'm here to tell you this morning, we don't need another politician or a pep talk or positive thinking. We need a Savior. And on Christmas, he came. Amen? He's here. There is no wonder this morning that the manger is in the shadow of the cross because that baby did not stay a baby. That baby became a man who is our savior and he died over 2,000 years ago on an old Roman cross and he defeated the two things that you and I, no matter how tough we are, no matter how educated we are, no matter how independent we are, no matter how apathetic we are to church or to Jesus, he defeated the two things that you and I will never be able to defeat our own sin, and our own death. 
That's why Christmas is not just a feel-good holiday once a year. It is our only hope. That's where you find hope and peace and joy and love when you meet the one who is hope and peace and love and joy, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Don't miss it. That is the good news. But we also hear that this good news of great joy is for who? Just a few people? Just for churchy folks? No, it's for all people. Say all people. All people, and that includes, well... Shepherds. It's very nice of the shepherds to walk all the way here this morning from Bethlehem. They made the trip just to join us here at Hope Elam. But you have to think about shepherds are some of the most unlikely people for God to show up to. Some of the most unlikely people, the most unlikely area for anything important to happen. We read in the story in verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby Bethlehem and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. You have to understand how unlikely shepherds were. Shepherds were stanky. Shepherds were considered to be social outcasts. That's why they were on the outskirts of town. They were kind of known to be thieves or or thugs or swindlers, and nobody wanted to associate with them. They were on the outskirts of town. Jesus didn't come to the religious elite. Most likely the shepherds were far from God or not experienced him in a real way or thought, well, maybe God's not for me. Some of the most unlikely people, I was trying to put this in perspective and think about some of the most unlikely stories that you've ever heard. I don't know about you, just humor me for a moment. I'm kind of a sports nut, so that's where my mind goes, right? Some of the most unlikely stories, those of you that are Cubs fans, are the Cubs ever going to win the World Series? Highly unlikely, but after a hundred, over a hundred years, they win, right? It happened, okay? Let's talk about other unlikely things, like Iowa football scoring an offensive touchdown. Okay, that might be an unlikely thing. You didn't think it's going to happen, but apparently it did once or twice, and then the defense helps out with the rest of the time. Highly unlikely, but it happened. Not leaving out the Cyclones. How about Brock Purdy? How about highly unlikely, right? Okay. Mystery relevant, the last pick in the draft is now the favorite to win the NFL MVP. Highly unlikely, but it might happen. You want to know what else is highly unlikely? The people, dozens of people sitting around you here this morning that at one point said, highly unlikely that I'm ever stepping inside the walls of a church again. Because I got hurt, and I'm a little jaded and I'm a little bitter, and I'm a little cynical, and I got some church hurt, and I got some woundedness, highly unlikely that I'll ever step foot in the walls again. And you are sitting next to people this morning that have a found a place of belonging, imperfect albeit, a place of belonging and a place of purpose in God's church. Highly unlikely, but it happened. Amen? Almost as unlikely as shepherds. And the story continues that they were out there doing their thing. We pick it up in verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace on those whom his favor rests. Have you ever thought about for a moment that God had had a ton of time to plan his arrival? I mean, he had thousands of years to plan the most important announcement in the course of human history. And he says, I'm going to get out the heavenly hosts and the armies of angels, and we're going to make this grand announcement that would put Hollywood to shame. And how does God choose to do it? What's his big idea? I'm going to show up in the middle of nowhere to shepherds. That'll do it. Or is maybe God saying to you and I this morning, 
if I can show up here in these circumstances, is there an area of your life that is beyond my reach? No. He came for you. He came to be close to you. And if Jesus came for the shepherds, that means he came for you or anybody else that's ever felt like you're on the outside looking in of this whole Christianity church thing. I'm not really one of those people. You could be if you opened up your heart. It might be better than you could ever imagine. It turns out that when Jesus came, Jesus said, I didn't come for the people that think that they have it all together. I came for the people, I didn't come for people that, that think that their religion makes them better than anybody else. I came for shepherds, which means he came for broken, imperfect people and groups of people like, oh, I don't know, his church. If Jesus came for the shepherds, that means he came for the man in our church family that's the alcoholic that's in recovery for the third time and he's trying to get his life together. Jesus came for him. If Jesus came for the shepherds, he came for the exhausted parent that's here this morning, wondering if you'll ever be enough. If Jesus came for the shepherds, that means he came for you that's coming out of an ugly divorce this Christmas, and it is not the most happiest time of the year. If Jesus came for the shepherds, that means he came for the workaholic that thinks, maybe if I just work over the holidays, if I just put in a few more hours, meanwhile leaving my family in the dust at home, maybe it'll satisfy the ache in my soul, but it's never enough. If Jesus came for the shepherds, he came for those of you that this is your first Christmas without a loved one and you're grieving and you're hurting. He hurts with you. He weeps with you. If Jesus came to the mess of the shepherds, he's come for you. Even those of you that got drug here this morning with your family and there's anywhere else you'd rather be than right here, he came for you. You're here now, and he's here, and it's time to do some business with an almighty God. Amen? You're here. If Jesus came for the shepherds, that means he came for those of you that are like, I don't even know if I believe in this God or not. And I've got some really good news for you this morning. If you've been looking for God, he's been looking for you. And he's not hard to find, and he's here this morning. He is here for you, and you can experience him. Not just go through the motions and go to church and go home and go on with your Christmas tradition. Surprise! You thought you were coming this morning for a nice little warm fuzzy. And to the shepherds that first Christmas and to you this morning, he says, surprise! Surprise! I can meet the deepest desires of your heart because all of us at one time or another have had that moment in our lives when you've been running around and you're exhausted from trying to make work on your own and in the quietness and the stillness when all the noise and clutter of life fades away, you have that thought in the deepest part of who you are. There's got to be more to life than this. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there is. And it's all wrapped up in Jesus. Everything you've been looking for, wrapped up in Jesus. Everything you've been longing for, wrapped up in Jesus. Everything you've been lacking, wrapped up in Jesus. It's right there in verse 12. The angel said, this will be a sign to you, shepherds. You'll find the baby wrapped up in cloths and lying in a manger. This is how you'll know it's the one. And you can stop your searching because he's here. The great church theologian Martin Luther once said, the Bible is like a cradle that holds 
Jesus. And every single story points to him. It's all about him. Today we want to point you to Jesus. Not to a political slant or a social agenda or your church hurt from the past. We want to point you to Jesus because he's everything that you've been looking for. Everything was about to change for the shepherds. And everything could change for you if you would open up your heart because they were about to experience a God that was so real coming and speaking directly to them. Oh, he's here, and he's here for you. Take a look. Can you imagine in the middle, in the stillness of the night, that the lives of shepherds were interrupted by an angel, bringing good news, great joy for all people, but he showed up to the shepherds. In the middle of their ordinary lives, doing what they've always been doing, doing the thing that was comfortable and convenient and familiar, But yet their lives were interrupted and changed forever. In the midst of the stillness of the night, the glory of the Lord showed up. And when the glory of the Lord shows up, nothing stays the same. So I don't know who I'm talking to. And maybe you're here and you're ready to to eat and you're thinking about the next thing. But just for a moment. When you know that God shows up, when you know he's pounding on your chest, when you know he's trying to get your attention because he's been looking for you, nothing stays the same. Luke 15, Luke 2, 15, the Bible says, when the angels had gone back to heaven, this is what the shepherds said to one another. Let's go to Bethlehem. They said, look. Um, this is not like a, a church meeting. Um, you going? No, I'm not going. You going? I don't know if I'm going. Together, they say, let's go to Bethlehem. It was a sense of unity. Let's go. It's let us go. I'm saying the good news is for everybody. Let us go, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, what you've done, what your reputation is, where your hometown, let's go to Bethlehem. Wherever Jesus is, wherever the glory of God is, that's where we ought to go. Come on. Let's go to Bethlehem. There's good news there. There's a sense of of unity that, that the good news is for everybody. The shepherds, there was no dissension. There was no division. There was no distraction. There was no hesitation. It's like, let's go. What are we waiting on? The good news is here. The Savior of the world, the one we've been waiting for, for years, for decades, for centuries. He's here. Let's go. There was a sense of unity, but there was a sense of urgency. It's like, look, let's go right now. Let's go to Bethlehem. They were willing to leave everything because of the value and the thing that they were going to look for. There's a sense of urgency. Let's go. Listen, we have a sense of urgency here at Hobielum. And you know like I know, right here, and I say right here, you say right now, right here? Right 
right here? Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go wherever he is. Let's not wait. Let's not choose for tomorrow. Let's not wait to get it all together. Let's not wait for next year to make a resolution. Right now, right here? Let's go. It's time. How long are we going to wait? The good news does not change. There was a sense of unity. There was a sense of urgency, but it was a sense of certainty. It's like, he's here. Let's go. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, Mary's baby, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's here. They had no doubt. They're like, let's go. All right, just three things. If we're going to find him, sometimes we can't stay where we are. If we're going to really go to Bethlehem, and by, by the way, why Bethlehem? Bethlehem was known as the house of bread. There were slopes and hills all around Bethlehem that was perfect for, for agricultural land, for, for really growing and harvesting barley and wheat. It was known as the house of bread. By the way, John 6.35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If anybody come unto me and come, they shall never hunger again. Why Bethlehem? Bethlehem was the city of David. Bethlehem was where they were told to go, yes, yes. Mary and Joseph, they were from Nazareth, but they had to go to Bethlehem. Even with the emperor's, uh, the census to be able to go, they still had to leave and go. Somebody right here, right now, listen. Um, You've been seeking him, but you've been trying to find him where you are. And sometimes God said you can't stay in the same place. You can't stay in the comfort and in the convenience that sometimes you have to move off your square. Sometimes you've got to get to a place that is not comfortable, but he's been waiting, and he's right there. He's closer than you think, but you can't stay in the same place. You can't stay in the same position. Mary and Joseph had to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem. Sometimes God will create a situation to squeeze you into position. Maybe you're here and there's been some inconvenience, there's been some things that are not comfortable for you. But God sometimes just want to get us in position so that we can experience his glory. His glory is in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is not a location, not today. Bethlehem is wherever Jesus is, wherever his glory is showing up. That's where we got to go. And sometimes we just can't stay in the same place. We can't stay in the same position. Because where God wants to take us, he's got to grow us. He's got to take us from a place of familiarity, from a place of comfort, and get us to where we can step out on faith so he can grow us. Because there's a promise that he has for you. But we can't accept that promise. We can't even find it by staying comfortable. Can't stay in the same place. Not in the same position. Not even with the same perspective. Because sometimes the perspective that we have on life is this perspective that uh, well, he's going to find me and he's going to pick. Yes, he can, but sometimes he's right there. Matthew 7 and 7 says that if you, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek it, you shall find it. And that's the word. He said, if you knock, the door is going to be open. He's opening doors. You still got to walk through the door. You still got to step into it. You can't stay where you are. It's not like he's not there. He's right there, but we can't stay where we are. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. 
Not only you can't stay, but you can't stop. Whatever your journey has been, however long you've been on this journey, no matter how far you've come, no matter how far you think you have to go, you can't stop. We cannot allow for distractions and for discomfort. Yes, there's going to be some times where life is going to be hard. And sometimes, listen, you've got to push through the pressure. Right now, somebody's got to make a big decision. And because there's pressure and you know there's a lot on the line, you want to stop. You want to just stay paralyzed. You want to just say, God, I don't know. God says, keep going. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep seeking. But you can't stop. And here at Hope Elam, yes, we have a sense of urgency right here, right now. But we have a sense of certainty. We know it. And if I say can't stop, you say won't stop. Can't stop. stop. Can't stop. You can't stop. You can't stop because it gets hard. Push through the pressure. Push through the problems. Count it all joy when you come into diverse temptations and trials and tribulations. It's a part of life. It's not time to run away. It's a time to come down and kneel before an almighty God. Say, God, I tried in my way. I did everything that I could. Tried to give it all I got. And God, I'm still falling short. God, I need you right now. And then you wait on him. You look for him. You long for him, but you can't stop. You got to push past the pressure and the problems, but push past the pain. Some of you right now, there's a pain in your life because of, of, of a depression, because of a divorce, because of a death of a loved one. Something has got you in a place of pain and it's clouding your vision. Can I tell you this? I'm just going to preach a little while here and say, listen, if you push past the pressure, the problems, and the pain, you're going to find his presence. And when you find his presence, all your provisions will be there. He said, I'm going to supply all your need according to my riches and glory. So all you need is wrapped up in Jesus. All the lack, all you've been waiting for, you get in his presence and you stay there. He says, be still and know that I am God. We can't stop. Come on, can't stop? stop. Not just today. This can't be a moment where you came to church and kind of got a warm fuzzy and then go back. No, you're on a journey, and you can't stop until you find him. You can't stop until you see him for yourself. The shepherds could have stopped with a dramatic and a traumatic experience of angels in the field. Just took their word for it. Come on, if an angel showed up to me, I'm like, okay, you good, all right. They could have stopped. Maybe you took somebody's word for it, but you got to see him for yourself. Come and see. You can't stay, but you can't stop. Listen, in uh, verse 16, the Bible says that they hurried. They were like made haste to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger exactly as they said. Not only we can't stay, not only can we can't stop, we can't settle. We can't settle for what somebody has said. We can't settle for being close enough. This journey, this one, has an eternal reward for those who don't stop. We can't settle for being close enough. We can't settle for coming to church every once in a while. Our lives depend upon it. In fact, What we often try to do, because we are longing, we are looking, and we're lacking, we try to fill the void with a supplement. 
Not a supplement like a vitamin. We try to fill it with other things. A a supplement is something that you add to something else in order to make it better or more complete. And that could only be temporary because even if it feels good, you're going to need more of the supplement to make it work. He, Jesus, is not our supplement. He is our substitute. He has come to take our place. He has come to be our surrogate. He has come to be our ransom for sin. He's taken our place. And because of his account, his righteous account, he has charged it to our account. So now we have access to Bethlehem. We have access to Jesus because he is our substitute. And if you're here today, you can't do it and I can't do it. It is something that he does. What he expects and wants of all of us is to accept him as Lord, as Savior, and walk with him and talk with him, not get close in his proximity. He wants us to know him for ourselves. We cannot settle on being close enough. We got to go to Bethlehem. We got to go and see for ourselves. You can't stay where you are. You can't stop because it's hard. You can't settle because you're in proximity. It's time. Like this Christmas, a new beginning. The shepherds were in the field doing what they'd always done. And while at the same time in Bethlehem, (laughs) the Savior of the world was being born. At the same time, I don't know, maybe you're here today and you just need to know that he's here. He's born, and he came for you. He's here. John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no one comes unto the Father except by me. When we find him, we find the eternal pathway to eternal life. The shepherds were the least, the left behind, and the leftover. And if you think about it, they became the world's first evangelists, the world's first messengers of this good news. And they went and they told everybody. It says the shepherds returned to their homes, to where they had come from, and they would not return the same. The good news of Christmas either changes nothing or it changes everything. And the only question that remains is what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with this good news? Is it going to just be one more Christmas to go by and go through the motions? Or will you live every single day with him? Will you follow him? Will you put your faith in him? Will you invite The shepherds had this fire down in their belly that they could not contain. They could not keep this good news to themselves. When's the last time you told somebody? When's the last time you invited? Come back. Come and see. We're here every week. We get to do this every single week and gather together as the church and celebrate what God has done. Don't stop coming. Don't stop inviting. Bring your friends. Bring your family. Bring your neighbors. Bring your coworkers. Tell them not about a church but about a God that can change their life. Come back, invite your friends, come be a part of what God is doing. The way that he's moving and working in this church, God has called us to be a lighthouse, imperfect, 
but a lighthouse for the city of Des Moines. Hope Elam, don't let it stop here. It's time to shine. Listen, um, there was no guards or security in Bethlehem. He's accessible. He's available to all of us. He's here, and now what are we going to do? When you have that kind of good news, does it make sense to keep it to yourself when there's family members, there's friends, there's neighbors, there's folks who really don't know? And the reason why sometimes we do not share the good news of the gospel is because we think that we have to get it all together first, and that's in error. He put the mystery of the good news inside of clay jars, Fragile clay jars, us, with all kind of cracks and all kind of imperfections so that the light of his glory can shine through us. All he wants us to do is go tell somebody. So come and see. The good news is that he is here. Hope Elam, God has put a light inside every single one of us. So the two challenges, the two invitations for you this morning. Number one is to put that light inside. Let Jesus put his light inside of you and let it all the way in. And secondly, go tell somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. So we're going to invite our ushers forward, upstairs, downstairs. If you're online, grab your candle, grab a flashlight, whatever you got. The ushers are going to light the candle at the end of each row, and we'd ask that you pass that light down by tilting the unlit candle when we're all done tonight. You can bring your candles back to the baskets on your way out. But for right now, don't miss it. Watch the light spread throughout the room. And in a moment when we stand and sing, I want you to watch that light shine and spread as a picture of what God wants to do in and through every single one of us. It's time to shine. The light that is shining is symbolic of all of us. We are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And when we let our light shine so brightly, we are shining the light on our Savior, Jesus Christ. This light that is being shined is a light that is important so that we can be the lighthouse that we're called to be. So, Hobelum, friends, neighbors, those who are visiting, Let's let your light shine brightly. As we sing this next song, this old, old hymn, maybe you've sung it a thousand times. Let it be way more than words this morning. This silent night, this holy night, this set-apart moment is for you to know that God is as close to you as the warmth of that candle on your face. He's here. Let's sing of this silent night together. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.